And good evening, everyone, to another Tuesday Night Live. I will pass you over to our inimitable host, Peter J. How are you going, Peter? Thank you very much, Phoenix, and welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Tuesday Night Live Adelaide Bigfooty Crowcast. Great to have everybody along for another big night of uh, chat and uh, all things Adelaide Crows. Now, joining us this evening as the usual crew, and uh, we've got Nikki, Macker, and Phoenix. And how are how are you all tonight? There's a horrible feedback there, so if I'm just stuttering a bit, that's why. I'm well. How are you well, guys? Oh, there is a feedback going on. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm well. Everybody's very echoey. Okay, we'll try and uh, move along there. It's a little bit difficult, but anyway, um, great show coming up tonight. Phoenix, am I allowed to announce our special guest tonight? No, but is that better? That's much better. Thanks very much. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, you can, mate, if you like. <laughs> very, very excited tonight on the Crowcast to have our, our very special guest, uh, Jake Lever, young Adelaide defender, is coming on this evening and having a chat to That's us. Nice. So make sure you stay tuned for that. And we'll also have our normal segments. We'll have the Cockwomble Numb Nut of the Week, and we'll have a bit of news from Nikki, and we'll have previews and reviews of the games. So it's uh, all the usual stuff on Tuesday Night Live, and always uh, happy to get your comments as well. Anything you want us to raise, um, log on and uh, give us a comment, and we'll have a chat about it. All right, um, without further ado, um, shall we go to a little bit of news from Nikki? That music. That's a throwback to last year. Thanks, Phoenix. I think no the, the big news that, <laughs> that everybody's kind of talking about and getting a bit upset is Hawkins getting the one match banned, and they were still going on about it on um, AFL 360 tonight. Robbo can't understand why punching somebody in the neck intentionally, well off the ball, shouldn't actually serve as suspension. He thinks it's soft. But, Nicky, it was soft. You know, uh, seriously, Davis should get an Academy Award for acting. Well, no, he wouldn't. It was a, it was a rotten piece of acting, actually. Uh, <laughs> um, but, I but... know, Macca, I'm going to hold you up on that because the simple fact is if he was acting, he wouldn't have been actually hunched over and had to have um, the medical staff come and attend to him because he was actually having trouble breathing. So he did oh. actually get hit I with enough force to cause an issue. I'd give him another one for luck for his acting. But we know Davis. He's not somebody who will do that. It's interesting. There was, a, there was a big um, debate between uh, Bartlett and that absolute dickhead Patrick Smith on SEN this morning <laughs> about this. God, I hate Patrick Smith. He's a bloody cock-wumbling frickin' numbnut of the year. Um, and I agree with KB, actually. Um I reckon uh, any any throat hit uh, deserves a bit more scrutiny than a stomach punch, and even a, I reckon they should just make it easy. If it's off the ball and it's uh, unexpected contact, contact, then you're gone. Simple. I would agree with you on that. Yeah, I reckon that's what it should be because um, I'm not saying that uh, Hawkins shouldn't have been reported. He he should have. And he should have got probably maybe one game, I thought, maybe. But uh, the fact that uh, Tom Lynch of the Gold Coast, he punches a bloke in the guts right in front of the umpire, and it was a, that was reasonable force. And yeah, he should have definitely got cited. Uh, he should definitely should have got at least one game for that. And I, I agree with what you said. I, I think any strike where it is off the ball, and particularly these gut punches, because that's what players are doing now, because they only get a fine and they're still eligible. So they're doing it with impunity in a way. The AFL's kind of caused this problem all on their own because of that. Um, and so, yes, I agree with you there that Lynch should have been done. I actually think why they did the two weeks on Hawkins was to make sure he got one. Yeah, quite possible. Um, but the other it's thing just that so I inconsistent. Just yeah, and... I think because everybody's comparing it to the gut punches and the gut punches are getting off with a fine, yes, I'm, I agree that that is wrong, 
but you can't compare the two because the AFL are actually making a difference between the two. So you've kind of got to take them as separate arguments. And that's the problem is that they keep trying to compare. And the AFL has always been very strong about the match review panel is that there is no, no such thing as precedent. You cannot argue if you're going in to defend yourself. But this person did exactly the same thing and you only gave them that that time. They won't accept it. Yeah, the whole thing has got to be cleaned up because it's it's basically couched around who they don't want to miss out on a brown loan. I think if if they make it cut and dried, unwarranted or unexpected contact, then just a, just give them a week and be done with it. Yeah, yeah, yep. I, that gets my vote too. Now Brisbane has asked for a priority pick, and I think they've got a lot more issues than just that um, up there. Um, and the other interesting thing is people are starting to do the coach watch regarding Buckley and Hardwick. And it was very interesting. Now, a lot of people don't know about this, but there's a little something called the squiggle, um, which you can go to maxbarry.com forward slash squiggle. And what it does is it tracks a team's movement in terms of who they've beat and, and it looks actually at history and it's, Pretty damn good in terms of accuracy. And what they do is he he's just recently done a little tracking on how the coaches have fared since they've taken over the team. And it's interesting watching Collingwood just go absolutely down. They started up high and just have dropped so far. Richmond have been very similar. It's just nuts. Um, in terms of those particular teams, Melbourne have kind of dropped around a bit. Um, so I actually think that we may actually see some coach movement before the end of the year. Well, you raised raise several things here, though, Nikki. One is, uh, for example, about the priority pick. Uh, and I don't think Brisbane deserves anything. I mean, they've appointed um, some pretty lousy coaches, in my opinion. So, so why the, the so why the hell would you give them a priority pick if they're going to just waste it by appointing guys that can't do the job? Um, and the, I think the draft is compromised enough as it is. And uh, uh, no, I, I wouldn't. Get, there's no way I'd give them a priority pick. That's the first thing. Um, yeah, I actually lost my train of thought what the other one was, Nikki. <laughs> well, the interesting thing for me is that I think the AFL very much have created a problem when they created Gold Coast. Queensland can only afford to have one team. Um, there's too many other competing interests up there. And also once they bowed to pressure from the Victorian clubs and took away their ability to their um, retention allowance, it really has just they've just fallen in a heap because of it. They've lost so many players. And the I don't think the AFL's ever going to admit that they made a mistake there and correct it. No, and it's a bit of no turning back now too. I mean, I don't see them winding up Gold Coast anytime soon. Um, but you're right. Uh, Queensland can't carry two teams. Um, but, you know, here we are. So... I agree with you, Macker. I don't think Brisbane should be rewarded for their own stupidity over the last three or four years. Um, and I, I just think it's it's time for clubs to trade their way out of things and, and priority picks should be an absolutely last resort or even taken off the table altogether. Um, you know, there's been lots of Melbourne clubs that have benefited from the past and really, you know, it, Melbourne, the amount of picks that they've got, they haven't really made the most of them. Um, I, I just think there's enough unequal factors in the draft already without uh, handing another one. The interesting question is whether Essendon should actually get the first pick um, given their unique set of circumstances. Stuff it. Yeah, I, I can see why you say that because uh, they, uh, they're going to finish bottom because of the virtue as a, pen, as a penalty uh, for doing the wrong thing. You know, they did the wrong thing and they, they had to pay a price for that. But I suppose, you know, uh, that's very similar to Carlton who uh, who ended up 
uh, they had to serve a penalty when they were, were caught cheating the salary cap. And they, and they were allowed to have the number one uh, draft pick eventually because you just can't keep punishing forever. So I think they've had their punishment and I think they shouldn't be allowed to get it. Yeah, the difference is, though, Macca, that, that Essendon are getting a bunch of players back next year, all Australians, um, you know, um, uh, long-standing players, players that would be top ten if they went in the, in, in the draft now they're already benefiting from a bunch of players coming back. They're not the worst team in the competition if their whole list is available. They're only the worst team in the competition because of their own bloody cheating, basically. So this is a lot different to the Carlton situation where they just lost picks, and even us, where we just lost picks. Essendon have only gotten to the bottom of the table because of the loss of players, that they're getting back next year. So you want to give them Hurley and Heppel and all that back, plus you want to give them a first-round pick? I don't reckon. Uh, a first a first pick? I don't reckon. Yeah, I reckon you virtually chopped me up the arse straight away. Well, yeah. And, they also, <laughs> and also, Macca, they actually, they actually haven't been punished for doping. Oh, oh, oh. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Sorry, alarm went off. Essen and doping story. <laughs> Talk. Got to cut that out. <laughs> In fact, that's what I'm going to do say. is, I'm, is, that, is that, I'm, that's going to be a warning bell. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to wrap <laughs> that segment right up. And uh, speaking idea. of high draft picks, we're going to move right along and we're going to get it back to, uh, to uh, all things Adelaide Crows. And uh, we're really, really excited this afternoon and really, really happy to be able to announce to all the listeners that we had a very, very uh, special guest that we had the opportunity of interviewing today. And that was none other than high draft pick himself from last year, um, Jake, sorry, the year before, Jake Lever. Um, so without further ado, guys, I think if everyone's okay with it, I might just uh, intro this interview. What do you think, Phoenix? Sounds good to me. Let's go. First game, just needs to control it. Good tackle, important lever. Right there with him. Danger averted, lever. Oh, that was clever. Young player, showed some poise. Good attack again, lever. Just made it his. Dunstan closed in quickly. Lever did a good job. Lever gets to the front and takes a good mark. He's a good kid, this one. Tardy wasn't sure where to go. And he got the support he needed at the last moment from Lever. Good, good composure for Yeah, absolutely. First game, and he looks the goods, Jack Lever, and he is. Lever did really well, building it away. Sends him to the square. Huge fist. Big fist away by Lever. News, who's kicked the goal already. Tough one here. How hard was that? Thanks very much, Phoenix, and thanks for that uh, audio. Uh, some terrific highlights there of our guest this evening, Young Crows defender Jake Lever. How are you, Jake? Good, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Fantastic to have you uh, on board. And uh, just wondering, uh, the fact that you're on the uh, the lowly Crowcast, is it, would that be related to uh, your uh, attempt to try and brag about that 30-possession game on the weekend? <laughs> no, I've, I've been getting a, a bit of stick about this, but... Um... I'm not sure I've probably everyone's seen uh, Tex Walker's tweet, but uh, I said on radio last night that uh, there was a comment mentioned um, sort of like that, but definitely not the mayo that uh, the big Texan put on it. He has put a bit of mayo on it for you, and then obviously that was where we picked it up from. Uh, just uh, out of curiosity, just delving back into your younger days, Jake, uh, have you had any uh, any games back then that we have recorded that kind of possession count? Uh, no, I haven't actually. So uh, thirty, uh, definitely my my highest. Um, you know, since I, I guess I was recording stats when, um, you know, you played TSA Cup and all that. And I, you know, never had thirty. So to have thirty on the weekend, it was it was, uh, it was good. But it was just good to um, play the way we did. And um, yeah, it was it was just a great team performance. I thought because there was you know. 22 blokes out there that played their role and, um, you know, we're just looking forward to this week. Mate, uh, you're only a little bit taller than some of our midfielders uh, going around these days and even like blokes like Patrick Cripps and uh, blokes like that and other teams. Do you reckon at some stage you're going to be eyeing off a role in the midfield with those sort of numbers? Um, I, don't, I don't think so. Uh, I, I guess um, early speaking, um, that's definitely not 
in anything that I'm looking at or, or pods or pike has been looking at. But um, yeah, as you said, there's some there's some big fellas playing in the midfield at the moment. As you said, there was Paddy Cripps, uh, Marcus Bontempelli, Nat Fife. These bikes are 191 to 194, um, you know, and, and that's what I am about 194 now. So um, it is interesting to see them sort of midfielders running around, but uh, at the moment, no, nah, just focusing on uh, learning my craft in the back line and, um, you know, just playing my role for the team each week. Am I right in saying that you played a bit of midfield as a junior? Um, or early days, so sort of talking about under 12 to under 14s there, yeah, midfield, but uh, ne- never since I went into sort of elite programs through the Calder Cannons or Big Metro, I never played midfield. I was, I was generally a, a forward or a back, um, and that's been my role ever since sort of I hit 15, 16 when I had a little bit of a growth spurt. Yeah, is it fair to say some of your teammates there might suggest that uh, you'd need to learn how to handball in order to get into the mids? <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, most of the most of the boys down back, uh, they give me a bit of stick about not handball, and they reckon I sell too much candy. Um, <laughs> so I said last night I'll have to rein that in a bit um, because the boys at the moment, uh, yeah, they reckon I don't know how to handball. So I might have to have a bit more handball this week. <laughs> Uh, um, Jake, it's uh, Macca here. Um, the question I'd like to actually ask you is, uh, when, I, I know it's right from the very first game that you played, that you had no hesitation in telling senior players, pick up that bloke, pick up that bloke, so-and-so uh, free, get over there. And it was like natural, like leadership came very naturally to you. And is that something that you do aspire to down the track, that possibly either to be... Uh, a captain or a vice captain or in the in the, the uh, leading group. Um, do you have aspirations in that direction? I think um, going to your point about uh, you know telling folks where to go and all that sort of stuff. I, I think it's um, you ask any player, it's vital um, that you have leadership skills um, because at some stages throughout the game, uh, your teammates or you know, someone's going to switch off throughout the game. So you have to be able to know the structures and, and know what you're doing because it, it's really important now in game day because it's not like basketball and you can take a timeout and uh, reset. Um, you're out there for, you know, 20, 28 to, to 33, 34 minutes, whatever the quarters go for. Um, and it's really important that you know what to do. And going back to leadership aspirations, yeah, obviously um, – I find that one of my strengths um, that I bring to a football team. Um, so I think down the track, yeah, definitely. But um, you know, I think at the moment I'm just I'm just trying to, as I said before, learn my craft and um, and really focus on just doing what what I have to do to stay in the team and and perform best for the team. Thanks for that, mate. Now, part of that though is what I think is. Did your time out with your ACL where you actually did some coaching, do you think that's actually helped you along with that? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, when I did my ACL, <laughs> my mind was ticking on, you know, what am I going to do for a whole year? Um, and I think after sitting out for three months early on in the year and um, trying to think about what I wanted to do, that, that coaching role was um, with the Cannons and both Vic Metro. Um it was definitely um, it just it, it's just helped me so much in understanding um, I guess what coaches want from players because as a player you sort of think uh, you don't you don't know what um, the coaches want from you sometimes but I guess when you put, get put in the coach's shoes you sort of uh, understand as a as a player then you're like okay well that that's what he wants from me he's not trying to yell at me aggressively he's just trying to teach me and I think that definitely has helped my um, not only my leadership aspirations and um, skills, but definitely just my knowledge of the game. So that was a really important um, three months that I coached for. It was, it was great. And being the eldest of four kids, that probably helps a bit too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, when uh, you know, mum and dad used to go off to work, it was always me um, helping my little brothers and uh, sister out, packing lunches, whatever it was for school. So uh I guess yeah, as the oldest kid, you do, do have to learn, uh, how to, you know, how to tell people what to do. I guess definitely. 
Jake, just wondering how how you're finding um, the city of Adelaide coming over from interstate, and what um, what you might like about the city, and what um, what areas you might sort of get around to, and uh, what's been appealing in uh, in the, t- the time you have away from football around the place. Yeah, so obviously moved to Adelaide a year and a half ago, and it's um, it's been fantastic. You know, it's uh, it's a great little city, and um, I think a lot of the people ask me, do I miss Melbourne? I guess for me, um, I lived an hour and a half away from the city, so I wasn't really a big city slicker, as they called them um, in Melbourne. So I was more um, country, and just moving here, it's almost, um, you know, there's a cliche that goes around. It's like a big country town, and that's exactly what it's been. And um, the people in Adelaide, not only the football club, but everyone here has just helped me fit in so much. And, um, you know, places I like to get around. I like going down uh, south. I love going to Port Elliot. Um, I go down to Horseshoe Bay there and uh, spend most summer weekends there just sitting on the beach relaxing. Um, but I've also been up north to, north to the uh, the Barossa Valley and all that with my my partner that moved over with me. So she's uh, she's right into the wine tour. So I usually drive her and her friends up and uh, spend the day with them. So it's, uh, yeah, I guess any direction you go in Adelaide, it's, uh, it's either wine or beaches. So it's, it's great. Yeah, just on that, mate, uh, we've noticed a number, number of uh, the lads uh, are spotted at SANFL games quite regularly. And we've noticed, uh, like when Alex Keith uh, debuted, you guys got a random a fair bit, the defenders in particular. Is that something that uh, is just naturally come about at the team or you guys encouraged to do that sort of stuff? I think um, it's really important to support um, everyone in, in the, uh, you know, on your squad because... I think Hawthorne said it last year. It's it's everyone on your squad that wins your premiership. So um, it's not just the 22 blokes that plays. It's everyone that's involved um, throughout the year. So it, it's really important for uh, for our football club. We we like to uh, you know get and support the boys. And um, you know, Keithy, perfect example. When he played his first game, we were pumped because we seen him training the pre-season. Obviously, he did limited pre-season, um, but what he did, we were really excited about, and once he got down there, he showed what he was capable of. So I guess, is that something that's impressed you about the club in general, the culture and the and the, the mateship around the place? Is that something you guys try to foster and, and cultivate? Yeah, definitely. I, I think um, as soon as I come into the club, I knew that it was a, it was a great culture and um, all the boys were really close and there was no real um, dividing in the group. It was, it was just everyone united as one. And um, I think that's what I've loved about the football club so far, that um, everyone fits in. And, um, you know, obviously through the tragedy of last year, um, I think that brought us closer together. And, um, you know, we just love playing with each other each week. And I think that's how you build success through um, a uniting group. And, um, a really positive attitude towards everyone. Yeah. Jake, um, one thing I have picked up is that uh, when you pick, uh, take a mark in, as you go backward, you're sort of moving slightly side to side without going off the line. Um, is that, the size up your options, I guess, but uh, is that from your boxing background that you we always had, had to be on your toes and keep on moving all the time? To tell you the truth, mate, I didn't notice I did that. Um, but, uh, I guess yeah. It's um, I guess when I did do boxing, it was uh, it was really it was really good for me in that sort of sense. When I you know being on your toes all the time, and uh, I guess your reaction time gets a bit a bit better when you're in the ring because you just don't want to get hit. So um, yeah, I think just it, it, my boxing the boxing helped my football so much when I was doing it. So I, I still do it to this day. Um, you know, either on my day off or. In the morning, up at stairs with the bag, and um, that we've got at the club, so it's uh, it does help. But yeah, to tell you the truth, mate, you've uh, noticed something that I haven't. Um, I guess yeah, just to size up my options, trying to get me feet moving to kick through the ball rather than uh, lean back. Yeah, you're very light, you're light on your feet, and you do, you do pick up the options very 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 well. The other thing is that you're very very good at selling the selling the candy, and uh, I guess once again that comes back from your boxing. Yeah, I don't think the boys would like to hear this. Uh, that, that everyone's commenting on my candy selling, but uh, 
yeah, I think, um, I don't know, some, sometimes I just don't mean to do it. I mean to handball and then, <laughs> and then they sort of jump and I just grab the ball back a little bit. So um, I'm not sure that's that's uh, come from my boxing, but uh, definitely, yeah, I'm not sure the boys would be so happy about this. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, let, don't let them rough you out of it. Yeah. No, I won't. Definitely not. Well, we've got another one on the list. So we, we weren't too sure who's better at selling candy, you or Junior. Junior's pretty good at it. <laughs> he's uh, he, he's, got, he's, he's, lot, he's very fond of it. Yeah, oh, he's a lot quicker than me too. I'm, uh, you know, throughout the club, I'm <laughs> I'm not the quickest bloke out there. So Junior's got a bit of pace on his side as well. So he, he might get the chocolates there with the selling candy. Um, yeah, he's, obviously he's another one that's just come in and um, embraced the program and uh, really took strides forward this year in, in the way that he's playing. So. Um, yeah, I reckon he might get the chocolates with the candy salmon, man. <laughs> and just for for a bit of fun, um, in your under eighteen career, you you've kind of claimed that you've managed to kick a goal because you kicked six points. And <laughs> do you think that the other defenders, like in your little defensive group, they're holding you back from not giving you an opportunity in the AFL because of the hits you put on them during games? I mean, we can totally <laughs> understand running into Laddie because he is a bit small. But you know, are the others not giving you the option? Yeah, I'm, Smithers has uh, already got into me about this on another interview. He's, uh, he, I think, he named about five instances last year where I've cleaned up players. Um, so <laughs> I think I've been pretty good this year. I, I, I might have cleaned up Kyle Hardigan against Hawthorne. Um, and I'm That's not a bad effort, mate. Yeah, <laughs> I know he's a big boy. So, but uh, yeah. I think um, last year was. I, I think I was just almost just see ball, just go, and didn't really know uh, where my teammates were. And I think that's one thing I worked on throughout preseason, just to just to be able to um, know when it's my turn to go and uh, not run into blokes. So, but uh, I'm not sure they're uh, not giving me the ball to kick a goal uh, because of that. But uh, I definitely know Kyle Hardigan and Kyle Cheney don't want me to kick a goal because at the moment they've got the uh, the longest, you know, l- longest length of games uh, without kicking a goal. I think Kyle Cheney just notched up his 50th game without kicking a goal, and Kyle Hardigan hasn't kicked a goal yet, and he's at about 36 or seven games. So they uh, they don't want me to kick a goal because they they, uh, they reckon I might be able to take over their mantle, being the bloke that hasn't kicked a goal in the longest game. When Tully sort of drifts down to kick one, do you kind of want to trip him over or something? or? I almost wish he goes down with a hamstring or something so I can <laughs> run next to him and take the kick. <laughs> see, see, we're going to tweet, we're going to tweet that comment. <laughs> I, I had Just for you against the Gold Coast to kick the goal. Uh, I had a flying snap and unfortunately missed. And the one against Hawthorne, I give off to Paul Seisman because as I was going back, I thought, God, this is a long way out. So I had to give it a big uh, seedo to let his leg. Um, kick through the goal, so it was. Uh, yeah, I, I, I try to claim the Paul season goal at the moment. I've been trying to claim it. So claim we, it. We're hearing the odd whisper that uh, that you may be the uh, the king pest that's now around the club, and you might have taken that mantle. Would that have anything to do with the fact that uh, you, you keep running into blokes, or is there is there any other standard that that, that they aspire to in terms of uh, making you the pest? Oh, I think um, I think when I first got the club, I was just. Obviously, being an 18-year-old kid that obviously dreamt about playing AFL, and then you're walking in a club and you're either driving in with blokes like Rory Sloan, or you're walking into the locker room and Tex Walker there, or Eddie Betts there. You just like I was just so overwhelmed for probably the first you know two or three months. I probably didn't say anything for my whole first year. I was uh, I was a bit quiet off the field, um, and this year. Obviously, the more you get comfortable, you you open up a little bit. But I'm not sure about the pest. I think uh, I definitely think Brody Smith's got that mantle still well and truly helped. <laughs> is, it, is it a title that people fight over now that Yanchi's gone? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Yanchi was definitely the one that held it. But uh, now there's a few nominations, and um, I don't think that you really want it after the Yanchi man had it. <laughs> yeah. Now, speaking of some loud people, in a way, um, I was actually at your very first game when you played the trial game against Westies, and your dad's kind of impressive. 
um, particularly <laughs> over the sidelines. And I love the fact that he was having a go because I'd actually heard the Westies player call out that you had spaghetti arms. Um, are you someone who actually likes, besides that being a brilliant sledge, are you someone who actually likes having their family at games? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, with the sample trial game, I had, my dad probably got a bit vocal because he might have thought that everyone could hear him. But uh, definitely at the AFL games, I don't hear anything from the crowd. I just hear lots of noise and um, everything, especially at Adelaide Oval when there's 50,000 fans there. But, uh, yeah, it's great for my family to come along and, and watch my games. And um, I think that's really important to uh, for the club to be able to get the family over and um, support you throughout, you know, because you're always going to have good and bad games. Um, so it's always good to get the family over and uh, they enjoy they enjoy coming over to Adelaide. Now, mate, just before we uh, tidy it up, um, we have a couple of standard questions that uh, we ask um, blokes that are good enough to come on the Crowcast. Um, the first one, uh, you might have answered it already, but... Uh, the consensus seems to be that Tex is the best sledger in the uh, in the club. Would that be a fair fair call, or is there another um, uh, another candidate there? Uh, Tex is up the other end, so uh, I reckon him and uh, Tommy Lynch go all right at the, the sledging. Uh, yeah. Definitely down our end. Uh, Daniel Talia doesn't mind chirping, and uh, I think it's always good to get involved in that sort of stuff. It's a, it's part of the game. It's a, it's always been part of the game. So um, yeah. I'd say Lynchy and Tex would definitely be the best two at it. What's the best one you've you've heard, mate? Do you reckon which one do you rate the best? Uh, oh, I haven't really heard any out in the field. Uh, Lynchy always tries to get into me at training. Um, he once told me that I was standing in the wrong spot um, as a defender while he was a forward and I was playing on him, and he rattled me because I didn't know if I was actually standing in the right spot. I was standing there. I was like, am I? And he came up to me after the training drill, and he was like, you were standing in the right spot. I just got you, and I was like, fight. So that was definitely the best one I've heard uh, from, you know, it was pointed at me because I didn't know what was going on. So, um, But, yeah, out in the field, I, I don't hear too much, actually, to tell you the truth. Have you, have you yeah. got any from opposition, mate? Oh yeah, I cop it all the time. I get the old, uh, the old spaghetti arms, get in the gym, um, you know, to name off a few. So, yeah. um, Tyrone Vickery once come out with me that he he rattled off about five stats about me defending or something, and I was standing there for about ten minutes trying to work out what he was saying. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think definitely it's a, it's a tactic the other team. They sort of try and get right into us. But, uh, yeah, we try not to take too much notice of it. Yeah. Meanwhile, you've got five, meanwhile, you've got five touches and, uh, and he's uh, still chirping away. Hey, look, mate, the other one that uh, we always ask is uh, you, you guys have got the sleep room down there and um, we want to know if there was uh, anyone in the club that you really would prefer not to spend any time in the sleep room with. Well, that's a good question. Um, I think Keenan Ramsey would definitely be one. Oh, uh, left field. I wouldn't. Yeah, Keenan Ramsey. He's, he's a bit annoying. He's a bit of a pest as well. So, um, <laughs> and I reckon I reckon I've uh, stayed with him before, and I reckon he snores a bit as well. So I don't think <laughs> I'd. Uh, yeah, I don't think I'd like to spend too much time in the sleep room with the big fella. Yeah, the consensus has been the chief. Really, he seems to, chief seems to be a bit of an army of one down there. But uh, uh, that's a that's a nice little left field left field one from you, mate. Thanks. No, definitely. No worries, Jake. I'm sure I'm sure I speak for all of us here um, when I say that we could talk to you for uh, probably a good couple of hours. But you've been extremely generous with your time, and we're really really grateful that you would come on the Crowcast and um, and give us some uh, really really good insight um, into uh, into your game and into the team and to a few things that go on. So. We really do appreciate your time, uh, uh, Jack, uh, for co- and thank you for coming on. Oh, thanks very much for having me. I was thoroughly enjoyed myself. Thank you. And that was our interview with Jake the Snake Lever. Um, excellent young man and did a fine job, and we really appreciate uh, his time and the club making players available to us as usual. Uh, what do you think, guys? Pretty good? I, I think he's a quality uh, player. He's a quality individual, and he gave us a, 
a quality interview, I reckon. Yeah, there were some very interesting things in there that he said um, that surprised me, particularly Talia being the one into sledging because we, we have this impression of him being such a clean-cut, in a way, goody two-shoes. He's, he's hard at the footy, but, you know, sledging wasn't something that I would expect from him. No, I was a bit surprised by that too, actually, I must admit. Um, Tal seems like such a mild-mannered sort of bloke, but uh, uh, interesting to hear that he gets on he gets on the chirp as well. Well, we know that he hates being beaten in one-on-one contests and he gets really, really dirty when it happens. So there, there is that competitive beast we kind of knew about, just not to that extent. Yeah, and interesting, again, another, another player uh, commenting positively about the uh, culture at the club, and I know they're not hardly going to bag the club, but, uh, you know, uh, all the players that we've had on so far this year have been very uh, effusive about their praise um, about the culture down at the club and um, how tight-knit the blokes are, and the comment about going down and uh, um, supporting the SANFL blokes is, is a really indicator that uh, the club is really flying as one at the moment, to coin a phrase. So um, Pete, as he <laughs> as he announced, <laughs> unfort- <laughs> unfortunately had to had to leave us, and uh, yeah, I'll clean that up um, at some point down the track. But uh, yeah, so we'll carry on, and I guess uh, now we'll have a bit of a chat about um, the game that was somehow got out. Long, good run. And they continue to run. Back to Lyons. Got him in the centre. He goes for home. And nails it. Long bomb, Cheney towards Walker. McGovern! He's a beauty. He's a ripper. Spear into the middle. Might still work. Atkins, a little tap on it. It does work. Miller along. And in the goal square, the big source. Jacob's easiest goal the ball floated on him a bit. Walker could spin back and a delightful release handball to Eddie Betts. Sends it goalward. It's long. It bounces on its end. Oh, from the goal line. It's been stolen from him by Josh Jenkins, who's got five. And just banged forward by the source. Bounce will get him. And McGovern. Little tap. Walker. Little toe. Runs to the line and slips it through soccer style. Sits it up. Here's Eddie. He stays down. Oh, what a grab. That's what Josh Jenkins. The whole quarter being played in Adelaide's half because every Saints back, every time they get it outside 50, Adelaide players in the wall waiting for it. And Seedsman makes them pay. There's a little recap of uh, our shellacking of the Saints. Uh, apologies that we had to actually feature Dwayne Russell uh, on the Crowcast, but uh, some things just can't be helped, and I couldn't find the 5AA audio. So uh, never mind. It was a good win, wasn't it, guys? Yeah, excellent win. Um, we didn't do very much wrong during the game, uh, apart from our goal-kicking um, we did miss too many set shots and uh, we could afford to because of who we played and the way the game went. But you must kick those goals because when you play quality teams, uh, you'll pay for it. So, but apart from that, I, I was really happy with the way the whole... It was very, very hard to pick a, uh, a player who didn't pull their weight because we've always got Henderson to fall back on in that direction. But... Uh, <laughs> I'm very, very happy with the the team overall. I was a little bit disappointed with their coach, the way he stacked our forward lines to the point where I counted at one stage the whole 18 of their players were in our forward 50 and he was more about minimising the loss rather than uh, getting these guys to try to battle through it. And I, I think, I don't know that he really taught them anything by doing that. That's just my opinion. But overall, very happy with our guys. For me, the the goal kicking, though, being at the ground, it was quite swirly. And it was interesting that a couple of those set shots, we had a number of players from the the similar area all missing kind of to that same side. So I think the wind was a little bit of a factor there. Yeah, concentration was an issue too, though, I have to say. Um, Being down that end of the ground... um, the one that Henderson missed, the one that um, JJ kicked into the post. Uh, 
It was, it, I mean, they were too close for the wind to have a real factor, I think. But uh, I, I agree, the wind was a bit dicey. Yeah, but I still can't accept that because these guys are professionals. They get that's. I mean, this is their job. Uh, this is what they get paid to do. And if you watch it under 14s games, under 16 games, these kids actually kick those goals. They they kick a lot more than they miss. And uh, it always amazes me. You go up to AFL level. It's undoubtedly the mental pressure. I think that makes them miss more than the win. Well, the one that uh, was the shocker was Charlie Cameron. Uh, he kicked that off his inside ankle just about. Uh, and they're, they're the misses you don't want. I, I can accept a, a bloke just missing, you know, by a, a ball width or two. Um, but, God, he didn't even get close. <laughs> well, it, it was a, I, the perfect right-angle kick, actually. Yeah, it was. <laughs> what I did like, though, is exactly how angry he was at himself. Well, he didn't match, accept it. Well, that's only match what we were thinking, Nicky. <laughs> true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's interesting tonight because obviously uh, the three of us discussed the game at length on uh, on the rap show on Sunday night. So I don't think um, there's um, too much more to add. I think, um, you know, it was a good win for the club and I think it was a com- confidence-boosting win for the club. Um, uh, but it probably can be left there. And the more pressing matter is the game ahead versus West Coast, for which I don't have any intro music because I ran out of time. So consider this now the segue into the game discussion on West Coast on on the weekend. You could have hummed it for us. I could have, but I wouldn't do that to everyone. Well, for me, it's going to be very interesting to see if Nick Nat comes up. They say he is, but an Achilles, that's kind of going to impact him quite strongly. You'd think so, wouldn't you? You'd think that he couldn't get it uh, as high off the ground. I mean, the guy is uh, a flying machine when he's at his best, but if uh, uh, I saw a vision of him walking on crutches there today, and uh, uh, it's hard to imagine that he's going to be able to get his normal leap in, 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 into play. Yeah, 75% Nat Newey is still a pretty good Nat Newey, though, but I agree. It um, is. Uh, any advantage? I, I actually think West Coast are right for the picking this week. If any, if there was ever a time where they were going to uh, get done at their home ground, I think this is the week. They didn't play terribly well, I didn't think, against West Western Bulldogs, even though they got relatively close. I don't think they're playing with a huge amount of confidence. I think their crowd gets them over the line across there pretty much. And uh, I reckon our boys might be up for this one. Now, the interesting one, though, is their, their midfield. They Their midfield, um, I reckon, is... Uh... A very good midfield at home and a very average one away. And uh, um, this is one of your pet uh, things I would like to ask you about, Phoenix. Who should we have in the midfield? Well, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because uh, it's pretty hard to change a winning lineup, and it's difficult to know who they're going to um, cast aside, uh, assuming that they, they want to bring at least Tomo back in, which you would think that they would. Um, personally, I think it's almost okay that we could almost carry an extra midfielder with Wayne Miller coming out. And I think Miller is the one uh, that's going to come out to make way for another midfielder. Um, and I think you'll find that we'll rotate Douglas and Jared Lyons a little bit through that half-forward role. Um, because I, I do think we we need midfield depth this week. It's a long ground. You need to run hard. Um, and I think Wayne has just kind of tailed off a little bit over the last couple of weeks and could probably do with the rest. Um, so I, I could see that happening. What do you guys reckon? Yeah, I reckon you've well, got, got it in one. What do you think, Nick? Interestingly, Miller actually led the round for goal assists. How many? Three. <laughs> well, <laughs> shit. Keep him in then. <laughs> well, no, I, I just I, thought that was. Yeah, I thought I knew it was only three, but he led. <laughs> he led all across the AFL. Nobody got more goal assists than him. A few others got higher score assists. Well, you just you're the, goal assists. He did. You're the second one who just been shot up the back. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you hey. can't, Maka, you can't. Sorry. No. You can't no, you can't accuse me of doing that, Macca. That's a no no. <laughs> um, I, 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 
I think Miller has been doing playing really well. I, I just think he's yeah. uh, he, he's just probably tailed off in terms of the amount of impact he's having on games over the past couple of weeks. Under normal circumstances, he'd, he'd be well and truly keeping his spot, but we've got to find a spot for Tomo this week, and I can't see any of our midfielders from last week um, making way. I mean, Matt Crouch, you know, closed the door pretty firmly on that argument as far as he's concerned. I think Jared Lyons has earned his uh, earned his keep. Um, you know, who else is there? So I think Miller is the one, if at all. I totally agree with you. Vardy Magic has suggested Douglas, and a lot of people are, but he's playing a very specific role for us. He's being our tagger. We don't admit that we've got a tagger, but it's him. Well, the, the tag is very much back in vogue. Um, North Melbourne, they started it with uh, Jacobs, and uh, he shut down some really big names. And uh, because the game is played at a much more free-flowing uh, pace than it was last year, uh, and that's uh, one of the benefits that's happened as a result of getting rid of the sub, um, uh the stars are getting so much of the ball, it is necessary to put, well, in what Washies say, a cooler, but really, it's just a tagger. Yeah, I, I think it's a run-with role more than a hard tag, but certainly I think Dougie is uh, is is that man at the moment, or seems to be that man, and, uh, you know, uh, their midfield output, I, I noticed Pritis had less than 30 touches uh, last week against the Bullies. I, I don't think their midfield actually held up to the Bulldogs' midfield terribly well last last week. Um, if we can keep their forward line quiet, um, that's where their strength is, in my opinion. I think um, brother of Mitch is still in doubt, isn't he? He was, he was laid out with the virus, so he's going to be flat if he's playing. Um, so I think we've got the forward power. I think as long as we can keep their forwards under control, uh, we're in with a big show. So here's, here's the interesting stats. See, we don't have Danos tonight, so I'm going to pretend to partly be Danos. Um, last season, Talia only held Kennedy to three goals in the two games. And this season, according to Champion Data, Talia has only considered nine goals to direct opponents. That's a pretty amazing stat, isn't it? It, it, was, uh, it speaks wonders for Talia. In fact, Talia's had a magnificent season, and he must be All-Australian at the moment, because he's actually uh, not only defending as well as he ever has, but he's getting a lot more of the ball. If you look at these stats that he got on the weekend, is that that's sort of indicative of, of what he's been doing this year. And he's made a very conscious effort to get involved in the play. But... Um, I don't think any of that means very much at all, Nicky. When you get the game played, you've still got to stop that guy. He's very, very good. He is very, very good. But what's pleased me is the way our defence has gelled for the past two weeks. And it's on the back of the midfield working hard. So it's once again coming down to our midfield. Jacob's been back in some really nice form last week. I think it's definitely going to help us. He actually plays Nick Nat not too badly. And... Nick Jenkins not. hasn't done, <laughs> and Jenkins actually hasn't done too badly against him either because Jenkins has got quite that nice leap and he just jumps at the same time. Which a couple of times I remember in games, it's kind of put Nick Nat off a little bit because there's somebody who can actually get as high as he can. Yeah, I thought Jacobs is back in form. I mean, he, he, there were some very exquisite uh, taps over his head and to the side and. Um, he wasn't just heading to the one spot, no, and he really did our midfield a bit of a ride there, I reckon. Well, the best way to quell Nat Nui's uh, influence is to make him accountable, and I think um, Source playing as a bit of a, a an extra mid and, and certainly being a link-up in our in our run from defence, um, that's going to make Nat Nui accountable, and, and that's a good way to approach it, I think. I, I actually think it's going to be a very big game for Kyle Chaney this week, Um I don't think it's their tools that's going to hurt us. I think it's their mid-sized forwards that are that are potentially yeah. going to hurt us. Lacrae uh, and the other bloke that I can't remember his name. Um, so Lukey Brown, hopefully, he's feeling all right. Darling, darling, no, darling's the, the other, darling's the other tall. So Hardigan and Tails, uh, Hardigan and Tails will take Darling and Kennedy, but Lacrae and they've got another bloke that rolls through there that kicks a few goals. I can't remember his name. Um, but Cheney, Lukey Brown, and to a lesser degree, Rory Laird are going to have to be very much on their game um, because I think that's where the danger lies in their forward line. 
no doubt about that. But Nikki was on the money when she said that the uh, midfielder is is also part of the key to that forward line. If we uh, more than break even, or at least least break even, uh, and preferably a bit more than break even, then I think we will win the game because uh, if you cut down the supply, if there's no supply, you don't kick goals. So I think that's part of the key to it. Yeah, and the interesting definitely. thing, a point was made on the forum, is that we've kind of had a go at our defence pressing up quite high sometimes, and we seem to have rectified that in the past couple of weeks. The Eagles are very notorious for doing that as well. Um, and I think we've probably got the forward line they really shouldn't be doing that against. Yeah, I, I think they're susceptible to our forward line. I, I don't know whether they match up against us terribly well up forward. Um, and I think that would be the area that Simpson would be spending the most time this week um, in uh, in his pre-match planning. Yeah, well, with, uh, not too many teams do match up well on our forward line. I mean, th- with, you know, 38 scoring shots from 69 entries is a very, very good strike rate. And it's because we've got this beautiful mix-and-match um Talls, mediums, and smalls, and uh, they're all very capable of being a match winner on their day. The one thing I, I would really, really like to see on the weekend is our McGovern take a screamer over their McGovern. <laughs> Do you reckon there'd be some family <laughs> yeah. bets going on on that one? I reckon, I reckon so, and I, reckon, I hope our guy is the one that does it. Well, considering that Jeremy tweeted a picture of Mitch's first poo. Um, when he made his debut, I think there might be a, uh, yeah, a little bit getting back at his brother for that. Just not right. Not right at all. Not very tasteful. <laughs> big, big, oh, big, big brother having a go at little brother. Big yeah. time. Yeah, well, I mean, it'll be a very interesting... It's a season-defining game, I think, for both clubs. I think um, it's a genuine eight-point game this week. Um, the winner stays in touch with the top four, the losers back in the pack. Um, you know, certainly all's not lost if we lose, but what a fill-up for the second half of the season if we can get up over there um, and just jump a game clear of uh, of West Coast leading into the bye. Yeah, their coach Simpson made exactly the same point that you just made then. Uh, he said that uh, it, it is a critical game for both sides because the one that wins... Uh, gets right up there with the big boys and the one that loses falls back in the pack battling for that eight spot. Yeah, so um, probably a final word, Macca. What do you reckon? Do you reckon uh, we're going to get up? I'm picking us by 23 points. Ooh. How about you, Nick Toria? Um, It's got to be that midfield getting on top. And I can see it being a close game, um, hopefully our way. Gee, that sounded a bit on the fence to me. Do you want to be a little bit more concerted about it, Nikki? I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> I need Never to be more concerted. How concerted can I be? Now, I can possibly be a little bit concerted this way or a little bit concerted that way. <laughs> That's all just for big fella who, who objected to us being concerted um, on the Sunday podcast. It's, I kind of want to wait to see what they're going to do on selection. Wow. Fine. That's fit sitting. Yeah. Well, I don't tip until I kind of get that. All right. Well, I'm, I'm feeling very bullish about this week, and I'm, I'm not often like that, am I, Nikki? I'm usually a bit no. uh, hesitant about the Crows, so I don't know whether that's a good or a bad omen, but... Uh, I really think we're up for this game, and um, I think it's probably been on the players' minds uh, for the for the last fortnight. I think uh, the Saints was a, a game just to get through, and we got through it very well. And I think we're we're on top of the ground. Uh, we don't have too many injury concerns. Tech certainly seems back at his best. We've got Source up and about, and midfield's firing, and our our back six are rock solid. So. Um, Seize the moment, I reckon, and uh, make a real run for the top four. So I'm picking us by five goals. You, well, you've sold Ooh. me. I'll raise my 23 points to 24 now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you gained an extra point there, Phoenix. Well, now, Nikki, just to finish off the cast for this week, um, 
because, uh, you know, like all good things, they must come to an end. You'll be pleased to know that your little segment now has some intro music. So uh, here we go with Cockwomble of the Week. I've heard that song. How long ago was the Wombles? <laughs> Bloody hell. Unbelievable. That was going on the ABC. That Wasn't was prehistoric. prehistoric. <laughs> oh, that was a thing of beauty. Um, I decided to only go for two nominations uh, for this week's Cockwombling Num Nut of the Week because I thought they were head and shoulders above so many others. Um, it wasn't funny. So the two we ended up with was hating Kennedy for not liking an umpire admitting that they are human and made a mistake. And then Luke Darcy for what I call his Victorian blinkers TM. So Hayden Kennedy objected to Jordan Bannister on who went on Twitter after the game and actually admitted, yes, I made a mistake paying that head high free. A lot of people actually thought that was a great thing to do. Hayden Kennedy then came out and goes, oh, yes, it was very nice that he did it and everything, but we don't want it to become a habit. So I'm sorry, Hayden, that unfortunately, you know, umpires are humans and they do make mistakes. And actually admitting that you made a mistake isn't a habit to be disappointed in. It's actually very good. And Luke Darcy, well... The boy really should just stop trying to even pretend he's from South Australia because when it was reported on Talk Footy that Brisbane had gone for a priority pick, he made the statement that Victorian clubs don't ask for priority picks and they work their way through their troubles. Um, Luke, I think you've kind of forgotten the history of Melbourne, the Western Bulldogs quite a number of Victorian teams that, yeah, have asked for priority picks and have needed a lot of bailouts and help. They don't work through their own mistakes. They get somebody else to come in and fix it for them and then they continue to make the same mistakes. I just can't understand Luke Darcy. I mean, does he actually believe some of the shit that comes out of his mouth? Surely, surely to God, he can't say that sort of stuff with a straight face. Yeah, I heard that, and I thought to myself that you, you know you are talking crap. <laughs> well, he actually didn't win in the poll. He actually only got twenty eight percent of the vote. Hayden Kennedy got Hayden Kennedy got seventy one percent of the vote. Now, Luke, I think would normally win, but there is an issue with the way that they don't want the umpires, or they actually won't come out and admit that they made a mistake. And I think that's actually doing a huge disservice to the umpires from the AFL umpiring department. And so I'm going to agree with the poll and I'm going to give it to Hayden Kennedy. Wow, there you go. There you go. A boil over as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Oh, Luke's going to say something else. He'll He'll get up there again easily. You know, it's an interesting little topic, this whole um, um, Bannister tweeting thing, because... On the surface, you're right. I, I like the, the, the umpires being human and all the rest of it. But it seems to me that the underlying issue there is that there's a little bit of unrest and, and maybe a little bit of um, disharmony amongst the fraternity because for an umpire to, to basically break protocol, which is what Bannister has done, um, and do that, suggests that not all is right with the world. And, and let's not forget that um, Wayne Campbell was the umpire's uh, coach or direct umpire's... Was he a director? I think he was umpire's... Director. Called. There was yeah. Nation, yeah, then him. Yeah. And to my mind, since Campbell has uh, moved on to GWS, I think it is, um, I really think the umpiring is, has, has fallen apart a little bit. And this is just now another little page in the chapter um, since Campbell's left... And I don't know, I I think there's some under-the-surface stuff going on with the umpiring fraternity at the moment. Bannister's interesting because he's an ex-AFL player. Hmm. 
So I think he understands from a player's point of view what where they want it to go. And interesting tonight on AFL 360 in that Jack Revolt, and he actually said, all we want is consistency. Yeah. They yeah. were talking about uh, match review reports, et cetera, and things like this, but he was kind of alluding to the overarching umpiring, that that's all the players want. Yeah, the only problem with the apologising for making errors, but some of the performances I've seen uh, this this year, Nicky, they'd be uh, they'd, if they did that on the <laughs> the radio, they'd be talking for about an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Parnell would have to bloody Troy Panel would have to bloody employ somebody to tweet all his mistakes. He, well, he, he could write a book. <laughs> but that's the thing: is that players get told how they've done things wrong and they have to own up to it, etc. And we actually did see that in the little snippet that the club put out where you had Charlie Cameron going through with David Teague and he was questioning his decisions. Now that does happen a little bit with the AFL umpiring, but I don't think they do it as one-to-one like the players have. And I think that's, that's something that's lacking and needs to be fixed. My, my my first reaction to the whole Bannister thing is I, I would have preferred him not to tweet. But my underlying reaction is the same as what you said earlier, Nikki, and I think if you if you polled the entire AFL community, the one word that would come out with regards to the umpiring and, and what we all want is consistency. And it's not just the umpires. The AFL tweak the rules every week. They deny it, but they always have an interpretation of the week. So there's so many little mechanisms and levers that they can pull and twist and prod to make the game palatable or marketable in their eyes. And I just think things need to be a little bit more cut and dried and they just need to set the rules at the start of the season and bloody well stick to them. And not only the rules, but the interpretation of the rules as well because it must drive the bloody players crazy because it drives the fans crazy. Yeah, I'd love to see what what you said uh, take place, that they set the interpretations in stone at the beginning of the year and that's how it stays. But they should also be sensible uh, interpretations too. I mean, sometimes you've got a bloke lying on top of the ball with three players on his back. Well, firstly, how come that's not in the back? And secondly, the only way he can get rid of the ball is to swallow it and expel it out of his backside. I mean, you just can't do it. <laughs> You're a bit anally fixated tonight, Macca. What the hell's going on? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry I, about I'm, that. I'm just going to steer this back. I actually <laughs> have some knowledge in terms of umpiring and what oh, happens. I wonder where you were going with that too then. No. <laughs> I'm steering back onto the conversation we're having, which is really good. Right. Um, the interp- That change in interpretation <laughs> drives the umpires nuts as well when it comes through. I'm sure it does. That, and I know that. And this is fact. Uh, yes, this is a number of quite a number of years ago when it used to occur. But um, I do know a number of people who were AFL umpires at the time. And what used to happen actually was each club got notified that week as to what was going to be focused on, and they got that on the Thursday night. So that's just bloody ridiculous. So, so they yeah. knew beforehand. Yeah, but yeah, I agree with uh, Phoenix on this. It is stupid. Yeah, I mean, if it was a certain way last week, it should be the same way this week. A rule is a rule is a rule. It shouldn't yep. need focus. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's why the umpires themselves hated that occurring. Yeah. Look, and, you know, Maka, you mentioned earlier about the whole pile-on and the bloke on the top. Remember... I think it was at the beginning of last season where they said, or it might have even been the beginning of this season, where they said, but we're going to put more focus on correct tackling. So just because a guy's on the ground doesn't mean it stacks on and he gets done holding the ball. Well, that lasted about five minutes. And now we're back to stacks on again. It's just, it's not football. It's bloody rugby at that point. And so many guys get hit hard or hit high or in the back or whatever, and they get done for holding the ball when they're basically pinned to the deck. It's, it, it's it's not logical, and it really takes it detracts from the spectacle, in my view. Yeah, you see them as you say; uh, they pin to the deck, and they might be even held in a bloody headlock, and they still go for holding the ball. Yep. And obviously, now we got the ducking thing, and I think the ducking thing is a pretty easy one to uh, to um, officiate if if you've got half a brain, and obviously uh, 
Jordan Bannister called himself out on a, on a particularly bad blue that he made. But I think it's very cut and dried. If the player initiates contact, whether it's by ducking or whether it's by dropping the knees or whether it's by shrugging the shoulders, it's bloody play on. It's as simple as that. Agreed. Agreed. Yep. Anyway. Well, I Feel reckon we've... Now? No, not really. I'll be better after my prediction of the weekend's come about and we're sitting about fifth or sixth on the ladder. That'll be good. That'll be nice. That will be nice. But on that note, I reckon we might uh, just hang up the boots ourselves and call it a night. It's been a really fun night tonight and great to have Jake Lever on board. Um, we thank again the club for making players available to us and Jake for his time. Uh, thanks, Macca and Nikki, for joining us. Pleasure, as nope. always. And no thanks, problem. Thanks to Peter for uh, his work at the beginning and good luck for the next couple of weeks, mate. In the meantime, we'll see you all on Thursday night for Scorpus's preview. Farewell. Good night, Bye. all.